From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. few technical delays, but thanks for hanging in there with us. It is Tuesday, February 6, 2024, 2 Two four on the calendar. Uh, Mary under the weather once again, and we want to keep her in prayers. Had uh, to take a sidetrack yesterday. Hopefully, uh, we do repeats on Wednesday. She'll be back in uh, in true form on Thursday. But we the show must go on. So here we are getting underway. Our guest today is uh, Paul Scharf. We'll get underway here in just a moment. I want to read a scripture. Um, Christians need to hear this. It's in the Bible, Genesis twelve. One, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. Verse two, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. All right, hear this. Verse three, and I will bless those who bless you and those and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. From God's word there. Paul Scharf is our guest uh, once again live with us from uh, church. Uh, he's a church ministries minister, uh, representative. Um, and um, friends, what is the name of the uh, ministry once again, Paul Scharf? Good morning. Hi, Crash. It's the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Okay, I did not have that on my notes. Thank you so much. But it will be in the... Uh, it will be in the in the blog post. Great to have you along with us. Uh, what, Great to be back with you. I'm glad that we finally did get, get through. At that website is foi.org, foi.org. Before we get underway, you have any uh, commentary on Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3, even though we may have talked about it before. Any commentary on oh, that? Oh, sure, Crash. Uh, yeah, that's God's unconditional covenant made with Abram. Uh, as his name was at that point, uh, who, of course, becomes Abraham, who is the father of uh, great numbers of people physically, but he's also the father of all who believe, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 3. But he is the father of the patriarch of a very special nation that God created through him, and that is the people of Israel. And uh, God made these promises to Abram and to the people of Israel through his son Isaac, through his son uh, Jacob, and uh, through their descendants, the chosen people that God created as a new nation at that time when he called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him this covenant, and he promised him a land and seed and blessing, and as you read, he promises to bless everyone who blesses Abram and his people. And curse and curse those who do not bless. That's that is right. right. I uh, I am on social media quite a bit when I have time, and I'm actually just uh, astonished how many professing Christians are uh, are anti-Israel, uh, at least uh, on uh, social media. It's 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 kind of sad because I, the way I uh, perceive God's word, I don't see how you can be born again and be against Israel. That's right, because uh, God still has a future for Israel, and uh, we're commanded to love the Jewish people and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we know that uh, many Jewish people today are not believers in their Messiah. Mm -hmm. Of course, we should be concerned for all unbelievers. And we know that God has a special love for the people of Israel, and so we want to share that same approach. All right. Paul Scharf, our guest today. And uh, I want to go over the article that you, you have a recent article here and ask you, why are the events in Israel important to Bible prophecy? Thanks, Crash. Yeah, that's that's from an article I've written called uh, What's Ahead for Israel? Uh, Signs Intensifying, What's Ahead for Israel? And uh, people can find it in a number of places, but they can find it on my page on sermonaudio.com slash pscharf, P-S-C-H-A-R-F. Where, uh, where I have all my material. 
Um, and this is a message I've been presenting in this new year because people are wondering what's ahead for Israel. And I would, I would say, Crash, in answer to your question, um, it's important that we understand events in Israel because what happens in Israel is going to affect the entire world. Amen. And so uh, there may be someone listening who's not really concerned about Israel, but may I say it like this, you're going to be concerned because God tells us that Israel is the prophetic center of the world. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5, the prophet Ezekiel records that uh, the Lord God says, This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. Jerusalem is at the very center of the earth in God's view of his prophetic plan. And there will be a day, uh, I believe, following the pre-tribulational rapture and during the future seven-year tribulation, when Israel will once again be the focus, the nucleus of all of God's work in the world, and um, and his word will go out from Jerusalem. And so what's even in a, in a broader scale, what, what happens in Israel is, uh, is going to be determinative of, of what happens uh, throughout the globe in God's program. There was a great early dispensational speaker and author named William E. Blackstone, and uh, he wrote more than 100 years ago, uh, I believe, um, before there was the modern state of Israel, and he said this, if we want to know our place in chronology, our position in the march of events, look at Israel. And uh, actually, he did write that uh, back in uh, 1908. And so uh, before Israel existed as right. we know it today in its modern form, and I could read many other quotes from others that share the same viewpoint that uh, that uh, biblically Israel is really the center of God's program in the prophetic future, and it tells us what's going to happen all throughout the world. Now, as most of us remember what happened on October the 7th. Oh, by the way, we're visiting with uh, Paul Scharf at foi.org. And uh, mm-hmm. follow up here on uh, October the seventh, big day, historical day. Um, right. Uh, do you believe that was a direct fulfillment of prophecy? Well, Crash, as you said, October seventh was it was one of those events we'll all remember, uh, probably for the rest of our lives. Although we here in the United States. Uh, you know, if we weren't there in Israel, it certainly doesn't have the same impact that it does for those people. But it's like it's been compared to our 9-11. Right, or some right. have said it's like 9-11 and Pearl Harbor uh, all combined into one event. It was a catastrophic day for the people of Israel and really uh, for our whole world as we're seeing events since that time and we're watching our TV screens you know, this week and seeing how our own country in the United States is is wrapped up in the midst of all of this because of the events of October 7th. But I don't believe it was a direct fulfillment of any specific prophecy. I don't think that it ushers in any particular, uh, you know, new era in Bible prophecy per se or as a direct fulfillment. But I do think, as I, I hope we're, we'll be able to talk about here, uh, I, I think it's very important in terms of preparation for the prophetic future. Uh, FOI.org is Paul Scharf said the website, and we're going to be posting it also in our blog post today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. I'm Crash Connell. Uh, Mary is off today uh, trying to get a little bit better here. Um, you mentioned that it also, you're hoping that it will also point to the future so, uh, October 7th, when Israel de- declared war, uh, right. did it, does it tell us when the rapture is going to happen? Do you think? What's your, no, what's I don't your... think that, uh, again, I don't think that October 7th gives us any pinpoint, particularly of when the rapture is going to happen. 
but I do think that uh, you know, as 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 has been said before, it moves us <laughs> much closer. <laughs> yeah. To the unfolding of prophetic events, so I don't think it fulfills any specific prophecy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gives us any date setting. It doesn't tell us when the rapture is going to be, but it it is nonetheless very important in ways that I think we're going to discuss. Uh, as long as you've been in this ministry and you're seeing things that are happening around the world, it seems like a really exciting time to be alive. It mm-hmm. is, Crash. What an amazing time it is. Uh of course, this is not the only event that makes us say that, is it? Um, no, but and, it and just seems all... like it's, um, the only way I can say it, it just seems like it's right in our face. It it certainly seems like um, the last few years, many people have a sense through a number of uh, of events that we, we probably don't even need to name. Um, like, times are just, there's something different happening um, and uh, people are wondering at, at a new level what really is going on, what is really going to happen next. And I think, Crash, it's so important that our listeners realize we're stewards over this time that God has placed us to live. Um, you know, remember Mordecai's words to Esther in Esther 4.14, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has God has placed each of us here strategically at this point in history for such a time as this. And uh, what a what an incredible opportunity we have uh, and what a uh, tremendous opportunity just to be able to be with you today talking about these things. But all of us have the opportunity to go out and tell others uh, and to share the message of Christ and his gospel, uh, you know, before it's too late in any sense of that term. And praise God that the headlines are giving us opportunities to share the gospel. Um, That's right. That's certainly one good result that can flow from any of these kinds of things. You hear the term uh, stage setting. Uh, what is what is stage setting? What does that mean? Well, Crash, I like to use the term stage setting. It's not a biblical term per se, but I think it relates to uh, biblical concepts. Um, all of us have been to some kind of event. I'm sure everyone listening has been to whether it's a uh, a ball game or a concert or even a church service on Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, if you arrive early enough before the event begins, and that's what I always try to do when I go to something important is to be there uh, not just on time, but early enough to be ready to enjoy it and make the most of it. And uh, if you get there, you know, just when the doors are opening, you may see uh, people up on the stage or the platform, and they're they're moving chairs around, they're setting up instruments, they're, uh, they're checking microphones, they're setting up technology. What are they doing? They're setting the stage. Right. And then there comes a point, let's say that this is a play that you're attending, there comes a point at which, uh, you know, the the stage is, is pretty much prepared. They, uh, they get ready for that dramatic moment when the curtain will open and hmm. the play will begin. And so I think what we're witnessing today is not the drama or the play or the program of prophetic fulfillment yet. But what we're watching is the stage being set, and the the players are getting in place. And God, of course, is working all things after the counsel of his own will. He's directing all things by his sovereign plan. Uh, we don't need to worry. In fact, I think it's so important that we have a biblical view and understanding of these things, so we don't have to look at our world in panic. We can look and and live with understanding and ask God for wisdom to be the most effective at this as we just talked about, this critical time. But I think we're seeing the stage being set, the the world is being prepared for the unfolding of the drama that's just about to come. And so uh, I like to use that term because I think it's easy to understand stage setting. The, the, God is setting the stage for the fulfillment of his prophetic word. 
Paul Scharf is our guest on Stand Up for the Truth. This is a fresh new podcast. I'm Crash filling in for uh, Mary. The website is foi.org and trying to keep people up to uh, up to date on what's going on in Israel as we know it and what it means to us as Christians. Yeah, our blessed hope, what it means about our blessed hope. Jesus uh, talked about the sign of the times. Paul, you, you alluded that we're setting the stage right now. So um, uh, there are people I see uh, in social media that are uh, believing that we are in the tribulation right now. They're using, uh, they're using this or that to say, well, here's the... Uh, Here's the judgments being fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with another pastor yesterday, and I and I believe because of all the rapture talk I see going on on social media, oddly enough, I think it's going to be a big topic of confusion mm-hmm. this year uh, in 2024. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I just okay. believe I, I, I'm seeing a preemptive strike on either folks that are saying there is not going to be a rapture. That's a New concept. That's a human. Con- uh, that's a man construct. It's not a biblical construct. And so, I want to get into what Jesus said. Let's just talk about what Jesus said when he was talking about mm-hmm. the sign of the times. That's what we're going to do. So, uh, you want to you want to cover that, Paul Sharp? Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Crash. Uh, by the way, let me say uh, let me say this just briefly Go ahead. in reference to how you set that up. Um, and then I'll go to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16. But uh, we know that there's going to be a rapture, because uh, the Apostle Paul tells us uh, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Um, so if someone says, well, I don't like the word rapture, it's not in the Bible, or there's not going to be a rapture. Well, if you have the right Bible, which would be a Latin Bible, then you'll have the word for rapture that enters our theological vocabulary from the Latin. Uh, but if you don't like the Latin or you don't like the word rapture, just go back to the inspired Greek. It's the word harpazo that Paul said, First Corinthians, excuse me, First Thessalonians four right. seventeen, uh, that believers will be caught up with the Lord. So there's going to be a rapture. A harpazo. The only question is the timing of it. All true believers believe in a rapture. It's just the timing of it. I believe the timing is before the tribulation, a pre-tribulational rapture, and uh, and that the rapture when it occurs, all believers who are alive and uh, all we can take comfort in this crash. All believers who have died. In fact, Paul says they're going to go first. Right. And they're uh, they're going to uh, be first in the procession to meet the Lord in the air. All believers of the whole church age will be caught up to be with Christ. So the things that we're talking about in terms of prophetic fulfillment take place after the rapture, because the rapture is imminent. It can happen at any moment, this pre-tribulational rapture. Um, And then the things that... uh, that uh, I think we're setting the stage for right now, those are things that happen after the rapture, during the tribulation. So to go directly to your question, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 16, and uh, they were testing him, Matthew tells us, and asking him to show a sign from heaven. And uh, Jesus quoted a proverb uh, that we still quote today, not a biblical proverb, but uh, we say it like this, read at night, sailor's delight, I think, mm-hmm. right, Crash? Right. Uh, read in the morning, sailor's warning. Talking about the sky and the weather, of course, he said it a little differently than that in his answer in the text that Matthew gives us. But after speaking about that, he then contrasts and says, hypocrites, he says, you are hypocrites. Why? Because you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. In other words, you don't have understanding of the times. You're not men of wisdom. You can't look at the times and discern what's happening biblically and prophetically. 
which certainly was an important issue to do during the time that the Messiah was walking here on the earth, fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. And I think that it's valid also, uh, Crash, all through our lives, we need to be people of wisdom who look at the times in which we live and we can discern the signs of the times. Now, what are we seeing signs of? Well, we're not seeing signs of the rapture because I don't believe there are any. It can happen at any moment. We're just waiting for our Lord to return, to catch us away. But there are signs of future prophetic fulfillment beyond the rapture and the tribulation. That's what we're talking about with setting the stage. That's what we're talking about with the nation of Israel and things happening geopolitically in the world today that are setting the stage for a great drama that's going to unfold, I believe, after the rapture, during the tribulation, when believers have been taken and uh, God's focus and his work shifts to the people, the nation of Israel. So the signs of the times really are the same idea as the setting the stage. Or another, and and by the way, that word signs is all through uh, the Bible relating to Christ's final return and glory at the end of the tribulation. So we know there are signs of his final return and glory. There are no signs of the rapture, but the signs of the times point us toward that final return at the end of uh, history uh, with regard to man ruling in the world and Gentiles trampling on Jerusalem. And we're seeing the setting of the stage for that. Or another way of saying it is we're seeing shadows falling. This is another analogy we could use for that biblical concept of science, just like setting the stage. The final return of Christ is so glorious and so brilliant that uh, it makes shadows fall back uh, of events between us and it, prophesied events for the tribulation. Their, their shadows are falling back into our time. We're seeing the, the shadows. We're seeing the, the signs. I think the easiest way of thinking about it is we're seeing the stage being set for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Got four minutes till we take a two-minute break here, and if if I have to interrupt, I will. <clears throat> but I wanted to ask sure. Paul Scharf here, uh, Friends of Israel, uh, FOI.org, um, why do you think that the events of October 7th are setting the stage for pro- prophetic fulfillment? Well, I think that uh, we can look at what's happening right now, Crash, and we can see definite trends, big general ideas. These are things we don't even have to, no no one would argue with, things that are happening right now um, that we can talk about, especially after the break here, that, um, you know, are obvious before us. And if we have a biblical worldview and understanding and understand Bible prophecy, Crash, it doesn't take much imagination to see how how these things are are going to lead in. Now, again, I'm not setting a date. I'm not saying how long this could go or when it'll it'll culminate, but uh, it doesn't take much imagination to see how these things will lead into the events that we know are prophesied to take place in the tribulation. Uh, and, and we can develop these ideas, but just things like the whole world coming against Israel, um, you know, uh, uh, setting the stage for worldwide deception and uh, and other things that uh, that we can talk about further, that, that I think we're seeing the stage being set for what's going to happen to Israel and thus the whole world in the future. And as we understand these things, as we understand what's happening now, then we can actually have hope and and pray for God's wisdom to live with excellence now to serve Him in this important time. And, all right, we got a couple minutes left here, and we're kind of overviewing uh, as we begin the broadcast. Uh, Paul has an article, Signs Intensifying What's Ahead of Israel, and we will be posting a PDF version of that. And it's a very thorough. Um, Paul, you 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 got uh, you got scripture references and everything like this, so you're able to back this up with scripture. And I want to make sure that we kind of give folks an overview of this. And again, that's going to be posted at uh, standupforthetruth.com. Standupforthetruth.com. 
Great. And, and uh, now you said this is also. Can you re- remind me where these uh, where these resources are available for our listeners? Well, all of my resources are available on sermonaudio.com. It's sermonaudio.com slash my first initial and last name, P-S-C-H-A-R-F, P-Sharf. And so they can find uh, all my materials there. But uh, these artic- this article that you referenced in particular, thank you for uh, running that, by the way, Crash. And people can also find my articles on a regular basis and a couple other places, uh, sharperiron.org and raptureready.com and I'm so thankful for each of them uh, running my articles and people can read them there as well All right, we're going to continue after the break with uh, Paul Scharf and remember the website is foi.org foi.org and it will be a video version of this podcast Johnny Raider is putting that together on our YouTube channel, Q90FM Radio on YouTube. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Crash Connell, guest hosting today, February 6, 2024 in the calendar. Our guest is Paul Scharf and uh, kind of uh, overviewing his uh, latest article, Signs Intensifying, What's Ahead for Israel. And uh, Mary uh, is uh, under the weather, so we're going to keep her in our prayer. Hopefully, she, we have a repeat broadcast on Wednesdays as our, our staff meets for prayer on Wednesdays. So we take that opportunity to pray and run a replay broadcast. But she is due back on Thursday. Paul Scharf. All right, here we go. Let's get back to the uh, to the fun here. Um, when do you believe the two witnesses will uh, appear, according to Scripture? Well, Crash, of course, we're talking about the setting of the stage for future prophetic fulfillment, how events since October 7th in Israel uh, are, are working toward that end. And um, I believe, the well, the, I don't just believe, but the Bible says in right. Revelation 11 that there are going to be two witnesses. Now, who are those two witnesses? I believe that there are two special prophetic voices that appear after the rapture. I've already explained that I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. And I think after the rapture, just at the time that the tribulation begins. Now, the the rapture, uh, our listeners, some of them may never have heard this before or thought about this before, but the rapture, does not technically begin the tribulation. The rapture ends the church age. By the way, you don't even have to believe in a pre-tribulational rapture to go in the rapture. All believers will go when the Lord calls us. Yeah, that is not required. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Uh, We we may have listeners who disagree uh, with our pre-tribulational view. Well, when the Lord calls us, uh, all believers who believe the gospel will be taken. Praise the Lord. I always but, say I'll accept your apology on the way up. That's, <laughs> that's good, yeah. But uh, there is an event that actually begins the tribulation. So the rapture ends the church age, which began, I believe, on the day of Pentecost. But the the tribulation begins very shortly most likely very shortly thereafter, with the signing of a covenant. This Correct. is described in, in Daniel chapter 9, 26, and 27. The, the Antichrist figure uh, who emerges after the rapture, he will be made known, his identity will become clear through the signing of a covenant that he makes with Israel. Now, Crash, that gives us an important clue, doesn't it? Israel has to be constituted as a nation in unbelief to make a covenant with the Antichrist after the rapture to begin the tribulation. So you mentioned uh, earlier, what about Christians who don't have any concern for Israel or don't appreciate Israel? Well, sometimes Christian people will say, why should we be concerned for Israel when it's a nation in unbelief? 
Yeah, an apostate state. Yeah, I always lead with yes, they are an apostate state right now. Right. You've missed the point. You yeah, I'm not saying you crash, but yeah. such a person has missed the point because um first of all, we should be concerned for all unbelievers, but secondly, yes, we're looking at a prophetic future that begins to unfold with the nation of Israel there in the land as a nation in unbelief. And that's what we're that's what we have before us today. Now, after the rapture, as the tribulation begins, there are going to be then these two witnesses that Revelation describes. I hope our listeners, as you mentioned before the break crash, my article has uh, all these scripture references listed mm-hmm. out. And I hope our listeners will read that and look at the references. And I, I always say it like this. I don't. My hope is not that I've convinced you necessarily. You don't have to agree with everything I'm saying here. I hope it's clear, and I hope that you'll go and search the scriptures and see if these things are so, like the Bereans in the book of Acts. And as Paul said to Timothy, consider what I say. The Lord give you understanding in these things. You go and search the scriptures, and uh, let's uh, confirm that what I'm saying here is, is correct. Um, but these, the Revelation 11 is an amazing chapter. Two witnesses. Who are these two men? Well, I believe that uh, they are Moses and Elijah, based on the description in Revelation 11 of their ministries. And also there are many other scriptures, more than we can go into here to fully, you know, deal with this. But uh, the Old Testament ends in Malachi 4, verse 4, Malachi the prophet says, Remember the law of Moses. And then the next verse, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So for the tribulation to officially begin, I believe the two witnesses have to be on the scene, Moses and Elijah. There are many other references we could chase to to, uh, deal with that issue. But let me say this, Moses and Elijah both had very, very frustrating ministries. And they both ended sort of suspiciously. Yeah, they didn't yeah. really kind of end. Both of them have a ministry that was kind of unfulfilled by them. By That's them, right? Exactly. And both of them are going to come back. I love what you just said, Crash. They're both going to come back and be able to fulfill their ministries. And, and I think also, uh, and this is Crash Connell's, I guess, opinion is mm-hmm. it's going to be witnesses that people recognize. And well, we know we know that believe. Peter recognized them on the Mountain of Transformation. He never met him. That's right. They were but, there. He, but but he recognized them. Uh, this is good this is a good thing. Yeah. I'm going, okay, so Peter supernaturally whatever, he knew who they were and he never met Moses yeah. or Elijah. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, I think there is going to be they're going to be recognizable like that's Moses and Elijah. Yeah, and and that is a pivotal passage there, Matthew 17. It's also in uh, Mark and Luke, and Peter talks about it further in Second Peter 1, the Mount of Transfiguration. But, uh, yeah, uh, they're going to have a worldwide platform, I think, immediately, uh, shortly after the rapture. They're going to be on, uh, I'm sure, international media is going to be involved, in, and they're going to have a message that is going to impact the whole world, though it's going to be focused on Israel and Jerusalem and the temple and uh, God's work through Israel. But they're going to, uh, they're going to have uh, a, a prophetic ministry that will be just unbelievably successful, uh, these two men, the two witnesses. Now... This might step on some toes of some uh, some believers here, uh, especially some uh, quote unquote cults. But let's go into this. Uh, how are the two witnesses different from the hundred and forty four thousand witnesses in the Book of Revelation? Sure, Crash. That's uh, that's a tremendous issue in Revelation. Uh, so the two witnesses are in Revelation eleven. And the 144,000 witnesses are in chapters 7 and 14. 
12,000 from every tribe of Israel constituting the whole nation. By the way, there there are 14 different tribes you can include with Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, So there are all different listings throughout the whole Bible, different ways of listing the 12 tribes using 14 names. Um, So uh, I take it that God likes to be creative when he talks about the nation of Israel as a whole, and he uses different combinations of those uh, 14 choices to come up with 12 tribes. So um, there are 12 tribes listed in Revelation 7, 12,000 from each. And who are these 144,000? Are they just some spiritual or mystical or mysterious group? No. Revelation 14 tells us completely who they are. Verse 4, these are the ones, now these are young Hebrew men, 12,000 from each tribe. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now remember, these are men living at the time of the tribulation, during these most wicked days on earth, and yet God has providentially preserved them from debilitating, disqualifying sin. These are men in the tribulation. That means they've missed the rapture crash. That means mm-hmm. they're, if the rapture is going to happen today, and I'm not predicting that, I'm just illustrating, these men are alive right now. They don't know that they're part of the 144,000, but they will be. But they are going to miss the rapture. There's a horrible term we have for that, isn't there? They're going to be left behind. Right, earth dwellers. And they're going to be here to see the two witnesses appear supernaturally. Moses and Elijah brought back, you know, sort of like Lazarus when Jesus raised Lazarus uh, and he had to die twice. Uh, Moses and Elijah come back. They just have a much longer gap between their life part one and part two, but they appear supernaturally with a prophetic ministry. And I believe that they identify 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, 12,000 young men, these men who have been kept even during the days of the tribulation. These crash, these might be young Hebrew men, young Israelite men who have even been studying their Bibles like the Apostle Paul, maybe even memorizing the whole Hebrew text, mm-hmm. but without a belief in the Messiah. And they can very quickly uh, be evangelized by the two witnesses and brought to faith in Jesus, the Messiah. And they will, I believe, train them and send them out. And these are the ones, uh, John says, who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. God God has kept these young men preserved and guided their lives for this hour when he sends them out. And the two two witnesses and the 144,000, by the way, this is a point of uh, disagreement even among uh, pre-tribulational, you know, rapture believers, but I I place them all in the first half of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, and I see the result of their ministry coming in Revelation 7, verse 9. Crash, are you ready for this amazing verse? Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, John says, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. These are martyrs who came to faith and lived and died as martyrs during the tribulation under the Antichrist. And I think they come to faith through the implicitly here through the testimony of the two witnesses and the 144,000 witnesses. They will preach the gospel, as Jesus said, to the whole world during the days of the tribulation. And this multitude that no one can number, which seems to me it would have to be more than a billion people, Revelation numbers as many as 200 million in the book, People will be saved during the tribulation. This is something we don't talk about enough. It's sort of the great untold story of the tribulation that uh, 
the two witnesses and the 144,000 will have this worldwide ministry crash to people from every nation. That's what witnesses do. They testify. That's right. That's that's their job. And um, not to dwell too much on 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 when and where, but I, I do know that uh, I the math to me looks like there's going to be a lot more tribulation saints in uh, heaven than the raptured saints. Oh wow! You know that's an amazing point. Uh, Tim LaHaye actually conjectured that very idea because, obviously, of the population growth uh, and the population in our world today. Yes, and uh, there's going to be just a multitude of people saying it will be the greatest revival. It definitely will be the greatest revival. It will be the great. It will be the great. I call it the great end time revival and. And God never leaves himself without a witness on the earth, and that's why he's going to send the two witnesses and the 144,000. And Crash, our listeners may be wondering if we've, if we've kind of uh, set sail here from, uh, you know, from, from Israel and October 7th here, uh, because we're just talking about events in the future, sort of in general. But let me say this, I think there's a connection. Um, one of our Friends of Israel staff members in Israel uh, recently said something that w- was uh, sent out in, our, in one of our emails. He said, since that awful day of October 7th, and again, this is a Friends of Israel worker in Israel, most people are willing to hear and speak about spiritual matters Correct. and biblical truth. Now, they're talking about people in Israel, Israeli people. No, we're not saying there's a mass revival happening in Israel right now. We're not saying all Jewish people right now, because of October 7th, are receiving Jesus as Messiah. But there are, I could quote many different uh, uh, such quotations. There is, the key word is there's an openness. People are open. The Jewish people are open to listening. By the way, the Jewish people have noticed that through the Friends of Israel and many other groups, American evangelicals have poured out uh, and sent gifts in grace to the people of Israel to help them physically during these very difficult times. You you may realize, and our listeners may realize, Crash, that the Jewish people, many are displaced uh, from the north and the south toward the center, toward Jerusalem, because of the threats of terror in the north and the south. They can't go back to their homes. They're in need, and the, and they're seeing Christians helping supply their needs, and they're wondering, why are people doing this? And there's an openness to listening, first of all, just to the, their own scriptures, um, and ultimately to the gospel of the Messiah. And I think this is one area in which the, the stage is being set to go back. We're, set, steady, we're seeing the setting of the stage for future fulfillment. This is just a tiny, tiny little taste of what will happen during the tribulation when we have the two witnesses and the 144,000 witnesses who lead not only this great worldwide revival, but ultimately lead what will become the final restoration of Israel by the end of the tribulation. Paul says all Israel will be saved. Isaiah 4 talks about everyone in Jerusalem that's left in Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation will be called holy. Which is the plan from Genesis 3. It's always been that's the plan. Right. It's it, that's All right. of this, I tell people, uh, I don't know if this is a good analogy or even a good bumper sticker, but everything that is happening is for the sake of Israel. He will reconcile his chosen people to himself. This is right. and, and 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 we Gentiles are kind of the collateral damage. <laughs> so what? Well, to, because to of their sin. Because circle. of their sin. Be, to kind of bring things full circle from where we began, crash the. I want to mention that we're talking with Paul Scharf uh, from uh, Friends of Israel, FOI dot org. I hadn't mentioned that, so the guy that you're hearing is Paul Scharf. Go ahead. Thanks, crash. Yeah, the. To go back to a point we made at the beginning, uh, 
we're spiritually, as believers, we're the children of Abraham. Paul talks about this, the chapter on that, really, I call it the divine commentary on the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis 12. It's uh, the inspired commentary by the Apostle Paul. It's it's Galatians chapter 3, which tells us that, uh, you know, spiritually, we are, as believers, the children of Abraham. We're the spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham. Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham, Galatians 3, 9. Um, Those who are of faith are sons of Abraham, verse 7 says. That doesn't mean we become Jewish, obviously, if we're not ethnically Jewish. Uh, Which he dealt with that in the Galatians as well. Because there were the, right. that was a problem in the with the Galatian churches, they thought they were being told they had to become uh, to convert to right. Judaism first, become before they became Christian. So he dealt with that, right? And it certainly also doesn't mean we replace Israel. No, but it means we we have a special position as Gentile believers in the church. Um, we come into a spiritual relationship with the faith of Abraham, and we're spiritually the sons and daughters of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, and so we are, that, that uh, Paul deals with that in Romans 11, we're, we're grafted into God's salvation program, even though the promises weren't first made to us. But yes, the focus is on Israel from beginning to end, and, and God will bring it to fruition, and he will bring the nation to faith. Uh, and that's just one of the ways in which we're seeing, I think, the stage being set for the future right I got a, now. I got about six minutes left here, Paul Scharfin. We got a little bit ahead of my notes here. I want to see if I can fit something out because we did mention the nation of Israel will be ultimately saved. Um, mm-hmm. uh, six minutes. Can we? You want? But, can we cover in six minutes what is the abomination of desolation? You think we can do that in six minutes, or is that? That's another. Well, we can do. We we certainly can do a, a thumbnail uh, crash because remember the last time I think I was with you, we talked about Hanukkah, and Hanukkah uh, is the result of a Jewish uh, victory in the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament in the 160s BC, when the people of Judah overcame the Syrian uh, king that was. So such a horrible um, uh, deception upon the Jewish people, and 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 desolated, destroyed the temple, uh, and this is under a man named Antiochus Epiphanes in the 160s BC, and he committed at that time the abomination of desolation that uh, Daniel predicted he would in Daniel chapter eight, but. Um, in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel 12 mm-hmm. and Jesus in Matthew 24, okay. they, tell us, they tell us there's going to be a future abomination right. of desolation. Yeah, the apostles were wondering right. about it. Yep. So it's, it's patterned after what Antiochus did, but it's even worse. Another abomination of desolation, and that is, and Paul describes it in 2 Thessalonians 2, that the Antichrist, the one who makes a covenant, Daniel nine twenty six and 27, he's going to break that covenant at the midpoint of the tribulation. And he's going to set himself up in the temple and proclaim himself to be God. And this is Second Thessalonians 2 and Revelation 13. He's going to oppose God and call himself God and demand worship. And, of course, this will be tied to a worldwide economic system where you have to take the mark of the Antichrist in your right hand or your forehead if you want to be able to buy or sell, in other words, crash, if you want to live correct and not die. Survive. But here's the, ama- here's the amazing thing. I want to make sure to get this point in before we run out of time. People in that day will have a choice. You either worship the Antichrist and take his mark, and if you do, you'll be fine. You'll live physically. But the problem is you'll die eternally. If you it is going to be an act of worship. 
It will be an act. It'll of be worship, an act of worship. worship and dedication. Not a survival. You You're not going to. It's, it's it's not a game. It's an act of worship. Right, and once you take that mark, Paul tells us Second Thessalonians two eleven. God will send you strong delusion. You'll never repent of that. You'll be lost. Forever. Revelation fourteen covers that too. It's it's over. Right. So, but it but crash for those who refuse the mark. They're going to be killed or they're going to die of starvation. Most every one of them. But believing in Christ and refusing the mark, they'll live eternally forever. All right, we got two minutes. We got two minutes, Paul Scharf. I want to make sure that you get an opportunity. How can we show our support for the Jewish people? We got only two minutes here. Okay. Well, Crash, uh, we can show our support for the Jewish people right where we began. How how are we blessing the people of Israel? And um, there are lots of ways. To do that, uh, through the Friends of Israel, people can go to our website, as you've mentioned, foi.org, and see the different humanitarian efforts we're involved in, and people can get involved in those. And, of course, it's always with the ultimate goal that uh, we want to share the gospel of the Messiah using these things as a means to uh, be kind and and be a blessing and be and show our love. Uh, but ultimately, our love is shown through uh, sharing the truth about the Messiah who can meet the ultimate needs of everyone, Jewish, Gentile, everyone. We have the same choice today that people in the future will have. Will we accept Christ who died in our place for our sins and rose again and receive him eternally and be with him as our Savior? And uh, we can also stand with the Jewish people and support them in very practical ways. I'll never forget... Uh, we got about 30 seconds left, so I gotta, I gotta interrupt here. And thank sure. you for being on the broadcast. Wish we had more time, but okay. thank you, Paul Scharf, FOI.org. Let's keep Mary Danielson in prayer and hopefully she'll return. Got a re- repeat broadcast on Wednesday so staff can get together and pray. And Thursday, Lord willing, Mary will be back at the microphone. StandUpForTheTruth.com.